as our kids are exiting for Children's Church, you know, many of you may not have realized, but it was about this time within about 15 minutes exactly of last week that Gene New went on to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about God's kingdom and how important it is to make sure that we are elevating God's kingdom. And she was probably one of the best examples uh, that I know of somebody that it was really was all about God's kingdom. As a matter of fact, every Sunday afternoon at lunch, she and uh, Betty would actually plan out their week, and, and they would plan out their week of ministry, going and seeing the shut-ins and going and seeing those uh, you know, who are elderly that can't come to church anymore. And uh, what a, just an amazing example of somebody who was totally sold out for God's kingdom. And there was nothing that she regretted, but the reality is that it was so fast. I told you last Sunday that it was immediately following the service. Last Sunday, I got in a car and drove to Central Virginia to do a, a memorial service for a coach friend of mine who had died uh, and gone on to heaven. And then, you know, even as I'm going, I knew that on Wednesday I'd be doing Miss Jean's funeral service. Um, we need to make sure that we understand certain biblical truths that we make sure that we have our lives right because we never know, we never know when our last day is going to be. And so as we continue our series, What We Believe, I want to encourage you to really look deep in your heart to really discover what it is that you believe and, and, and to determine, uh, not just with a knowledge because you've sort of read it or because somebody has told you, but really from within your soul, do you believe these things to be true? Uh, as, as we continue, um, I wonder how many of you, if you had a billionaire uncle who was on his deathbed and he told you that he was going to leave his entire estate to you, how many of you would say, nah, not interested? So you, even by your laughs, you're going, but wait a minute, there's, a little, there's some strings attached that you're 10 years old and he's not going to allow you to even get any of the estate because he's putting into a trust until you're 21 years of age. And there's a couple other guidelines that go with that. You have to stay in school. You have to get good grades. Uh, when you're out of school, you have to get and maintain a job uh, and that you'd only get a quarter of that estate when you turn 21. Some of you are saying, I'd like to have a quarter of any of that at any time. Uh, you know, and then it would be dispersed if you would continue to do the things that he's asking you to do. You know, it's interesting in our society today, unless it has to do with money, that when there are strings attached, people don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, you know, and you might be saying, Dave, what on earth does a rich uncle have to do with what you're talking about this morning? Well, an inheritance like that is something that will come at some point in the future, much like God's kingdom. When we talk about God's kingdom, most of us are really, we, we think about this future kingdom, this kingdom that is going to come one day. If those of you that are my age and a little bit older, if you think about how the gospel was presented to you, it was normally talking about the future kingdom to come, uh, the, the future that all of us would have one way or another, that when the gospel was presented to me, it was this fire insurance plan that, hey, listen, you have an opportunity to spend eternity with God in heaven and all that is, or you can burn in hell for the rest of your life. Hey, which one do you want? Now, as a kid, what are you going to say? Oh, I choose to burn in a lake of fire. No, and so out of fear, really, uh, I, I chose the, the first. Well, I don't want to burn forever. I want to be in, well, then pray this prayer. Okay, I'll pray your prayer. 
if you think about it, what a lame sales pitch for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That if all we have to offer is this future kingdom, which is great, which Miss Gina's understanding now in depths that we can never understand, if that's all we have to sell, how pitiful is that? How much does it indicate how much we don't understand the present glory that is available to us? And so, yes, God's kingdom is a future kingdom. It's a kingdom that is going to come. But God's kingdom is a present kingdom, a kingdom that can transform our lives right now. And so as we really talk about God's kingdom, I, we, we understand the future kingdom. We understand that it's coming. But I want us to really concentrate on his present kingdom and how it impacts us, how hopefully it will transform your life. And there's a few principles that I want us to remember this morning as we, we look through that. The first is this, that his kingdom is his and his alone. It's not your kingdom, it's not my kingdom, it's his kingdom and his alone. If there is one piece of advice if, that I could give um, brand new young pastors, it probably would be this. Remember that it is God's kingdom, not yours. When we keep it elevated where it needs to be it's God he's the owner it's his kingdom it's not our kingdom and then we we will have a tendency to stay on track but the very moment that we deviate from that the very moment that we we begin thinking that we deserve something or that it's our kingdom we start down this slippery slope that is very difficult to come back to and so there's a variety of things that that I think would be beneficial to all of us to remember if we're going to keep God's kingdom at the forefront the first is this to remember the day you were rescued. Now, for some, it's difficult for us to remember that. We've grown up in church, and, you know, we hear some people give their testimonies about this crazy drug addiction and all this and that. And we go, well, my story's not like that. But, hey, the reality is we've all been rescued from disaster. If you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness into the uh, and transformed us into the condition kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins god has rescued us out of the dominion of darkness the the consequences of our sin he's brought us into his kingdom the kingdom that comes from the shed blood of jesus christ that has victory over our sin and given us redemption he's given us forgiveness of sin we need to remember where it is that we have come from remember what we had in store for for ourselves and remember that it is his kingdom and his alone I think one of the best tactics that the enemy uses is this very tactic to promote our kingdom, to promote self, that we start to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think about, uh, whether it's a pastor or whether it's a member of the church, we start to think about ourselves with a lot more than we ought to, and we start down a slope that the enemy has for us. You know, in Proverbs, we, we know there's all sorts of verses on pride in Proverbs, and really all it is in, in, is pride, that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before its fall. As a matter of fact, it's better to be of lowly spirit with the poor and than to divide the spoils with the proud. Better to be lowly than to devile spoils with the proud. That God so can't stand pride that the moment that our pride wells up, I believe God removes his hand of blessing. The moment we promote our kingdom versus his kingdom, he removes his hand of blessing. We need to remember that it is all about his kingdom. 
we have this mission and vision to make disciples with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about his kingdom. As I shared in the announcements, we have a church coming in next Sunday, a church plant, to use these facilities. You know, it's about his kingdom. It's not about our church. It's not about their church. It's about God's church. You know, there, as one wise man once told me, there's only one church in town. It's God's church. Right? It's not this and that and all these other churches. It's his kingdom and his alone. Yet we, we tend to separate. We tend to, to have this ownership. Even consider some of the conversations that you've heard in churches over time, arguing about the color of the carpet, whether to have pews or to have chairs. You know, here's, here's the reality. When you're thinking about God's kingdom, none of that stuff matters. And by the way, you can fit more people in chairs than you can pews. I'm not saying rip out the pews, so don't run me out of the building. But if you're thinking God's kingdom and you want to reach more people with the gospel of Christ, then you use chairs, you don't use pews. You know, we don't use tables and rooms, we use chairs and rooms because we can fit more people in there. When it's about God's kingdom, not our kingdom, we have a different mindset. But Satan so quickly makes us think that we deserve something because we've been here for a long time and that we get to have our preference. But when you think about God's kingdom, not so. Again, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. You know, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and per perverted speech God hates. God can't stand pride, and so we need to be careful to make sure that we are promoting his kingdom, not our kingdom. You know, there's, there's one passage of Scripture that really helps me as I really try to focus and we all struggle with pride pride wells itself up and as if we allow pride to take root it will lead to destruction and so there's one passage that i try to use to keep my mind set on um, god's kingdom and, and it's actually jesus taught this his followers when he was teaching them to pray in matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 10 he said this and pray like this our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as we look at that phrase by phrase, the first thing to do if you really want to make sure God's kingdom is being elevated is you hallow God's name. And you might be saying, well, how do you do that? I've said this before, but if you ever find yourself in kind of a spiritual rut where you're just not, it doesn't seem to like you're hearing from God, God's not hearing you, or you're just discouraged. Take 15 or 20 minutes and just repeat this over and over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is his name. If you repeat that over and over and over, you might say, well, Dave, that's vain repetition. Well, you try it, and you see if it's vain repetition. What begins to happen is God's name is elevated. He is holy. He is without stain or wrinkle. He is without blemish. He is the name above every name. He is the name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And what it begins to do is help us realize who we are in light of who he is. He is holy. I'm not. It's about his kingdom. It's not about mine. It's about his glory. It's not about my glory. There is no other name. There is no other name besides the name of Jesus that every tongue will one day bow. In Philippians, we see in, in chapter 2, verses 9 and 11, we see this, that God has exalted, has exalted Jesus, that he is above every name, and that above his name, that, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess in heaven and under earth that Jesus Christ is 
One day every knee will confess that Jesus is Lord, whether it is now, right now in the present, or one day in the future. One day every knee will confess. Every knee will bow. The choice is ours whether we do it now or we do it later when it's too late. But one day every knee will bow. It is about his kingdom, and it's not about mine. It's not about yours. It's about his kingdom. So we hallow God's name. We put his name where it deserves, and we put ours where it's deserved. But the second thing we do is we pray that your kingdom come. And we see in this verse that his kingdom is not on earth as it is in heaven. It's not on earth as he desires it for it to be. We pray that his kingdom come. And again, we, it's his kingdom. It is not our kingdom. You know, that Jesus was teaching them to, to pray that his kingdom would come. He recognizing that it's not here. Do you realize that God's kingdom is not on earth as he desires for it to be? You might say, well, duh, we see that. Well, then why don't we act like it? Why don't we act like he desires his kingdom to grow? Why don't we act as though that, as we see in Revelations chapter 5, that one day every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be represented in heaven? You, you look at church on Sunday mornings, it's one of the most segregated hours the entire week. You know, why do we not come together as the body of believers, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and confess that he is Lord? You know, God desires for his kingdom to grow. It's not for a bunch of one group of people and another group of people. God is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We need to keep God's kingdom at the forefront of everything that we do, everything that we're thinking about, everything that we do. And we need to say that his will is being done. When's the last time when you are participating in church leadership and making decisions that you really ask, whose will is this? The color of the carpets being whatever this is, red or burgundy. What's God's will? But God doesn't care about the color of carpets. What he cares about is that his gospel and his glory are being made known. What he cares about is that we are doing things according to his will and his way for his purposes, for his glory, not ours. And yet when you look at some, you know, we elevate what we did. God doesn't care about what you did. What he cares about is that we are making his glory known, that we're doing it according to the way he says in his word, as we've just spent weeks looking at that this is God's word without error from cover to cover. He has maintained it. He has made it discoverable so that we know that what we have is all of his. It hasn't changed. It's the same today as it was when it was written. It'll be the same as we move forward. And as we look at what God says in his word about his kingdom, we need to keep it at the forefront of our minds. There's far too much at stake. There's far too much at stake in church in America today that we can't elevate our kingdom. We can't elevate our desires. We've got to get back to his desire and his desire alone. As you've heard me say in weeks past, I believe the reason that God is doing things around here is because we're making it simple. We're making about his glory, not ours. We're making about his kingdom, not our kingdom. We're making changes in light of what his, he says in his word, not about what anybody wants, what I want or anybody else wants. It's about what God says. I think church is really simple. If it weren't, I couldn't do it. We've made church something that it ought not to be. In fact, we use spiritual words to really camouflage our kingdoms. You want to know what one is? I'm going to step on some toes here. So pick them up off the ground. We use the word discipleship. And what we mean is a holy huddle. Us four, no more. 
We're going to have discipleship groups, which really, are there a clo- you ever have a closed discipleship group? Now, I know there's a time and a place for such things, but really what we do is, hey, we are going to have this group. We're going to withdraw from everybody else, and we're going to have this group so we can have what we want at the sake of God's glory being known. Remember what we looked at in, in months ago, everything in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything in the context of God's kingdom, that we have discipleship groups so that we can grow in the knowledge and obedience of God's word to continue to make his glory known, not so that we can do what we want to do and become really just little Pharisees. We need to make God's glory known. We need to be promoting his kingdom, not our kingdom. We need to be promoting his name, not anybody else's name. We need to be doing what he desires for us to do. You know, we're at a fun point in the history of this church where we have the opportunity because we in many ways have outgrown this shell, you know, and with all the people that we have on vacation during the summer, it's going to be amazing when everybody comes back to see how tight this place is. And we were at this juncture before when we really outgrew the shell of this building. And, and I say shell because very much like an animal that lives in a shell, when the body grows big enough, what do they do? They shed the shell so that the body can keep growing. And in many ways, this church body has grown so that this building cannot contain who we are, and it's our choice. Do we shed the shell so God's kingdom can continue to be made known, or do we keep it? And stunt the growth. His kingdom, not ours. Only God can control his growth, the growth of his kingdom as we fulfill his will in his way. And so as we begin to wind up this morning, I want to encourage you to think about a few things. First and foremost, whose kingdom do you promote more? Yours or God's? Now, before you give the answer that you ought to give, Really examine your heart and don't let pride so quickly step in because the reality is every single one of us in this room really promotes our kingdom more than God's kingdom, whether we think about it or not. All of us can do a better job of promoting God's kingdom. And I'm not asking you to give up your jobs and sell everything you have. I'm not asking you to do that. All I'm asking you to do is how can in the midst of the world that you live in promote God's kingdom more than your own? You see, God's not calling you necessarily to do anything different, but what he's calling you to do in the midst of the job that you're in, in the midst of the community that you live, is to promote his kingdom and to think about how can you do that and promote his kingdom so his glory can be known to every tribe, tongue, and nation. You know, it'd be nice if all of us had this rich uncle who and gave us this inheritance, and we could do all sorts of things with this inheritance, but here's the reality. God has given you an inheritance that is so incredibly awesome that, yes, it's a future inheritance, but it's an inheritance for you to reap the benefits of right now. And yet many of us live as though we have no inheritance, that we don't, aren't a part of God's kingdom. What can you do to promote God's kingdom and God's glory in a way that you're not doing right now? For some of you, maybe you're not even sure if you're part of God's kingdom. Maybe when you were young, you prayed some sinner's prayer because you didn't want to burn in hell, and there has been no life transformation in your life. Well, you can't promote God's kingdom if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe some of you have kind of fallen away from the church for whatever reasons people in the church can be nasty because they're not yielding to the holy spirit and maybe you've been wounded in the church and and you've kind of fallen away and i i get that but maybe god's saying it's time 
time for you to let me heal the wounds of the past and to, to come back and promote my kingdom because it's not about yours. As we come to our time of commitment, I encourage you to ask, how do you need to respond to God's call in your life to be promoting his kingdom and his way and his will versus your own? As we come to this time of invitation, perhaps you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Perhaps you need to make sure you have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you need to come and be part of a church that is promoting God's kingdom and God's glory so you can get plugged in and, and be held accountable with other people that are doing the same thing so you're not doing it on your own. I don't know where you are. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do today. But I do encourage you to respond in such a way that promotes his kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've made your word discoverable for us, that you've given it to us to give us encouragement, to give us guidance. But Lord, I praise you for the inheritance that you've given us, an inheritance that is not just a, a future inheritance, but a kingdom that is in the present, a kingdom that can transform our lives right now. But Lord, too often in the church, we have not experienced that transformation. Or Lord, maybe we haven't experienced it for a long, long time because of the wounds that we've experienced and we've drifted away. Lord, I pray through the power of your spirit that you would draw people back to you. But Lord, that you would draw all of us to be promoters of your kingdom. Lord, recognizing that when we do it our way and we promote our kingdom, that it leads to destruction every single time. God, I pray that you would help us to be unified as a body of believers to come together in worshiping you and promoting your kingdom in Jesus' name.